Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. And for the first time in about a month, I'm back home in Nashville. Had an awesome time in New York City. Then I was down in Atlanta watching the Braves for a week. And then I spent the last 10 days down in Florida. I got a lot to dive into with you, but right off the top, yes, uh, last week, Thursday of last week, I believe one week ago today, news officially broke about USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, and everybody lost their minds over what this might mean for conference realignment going forward. And so I'm all giddy to get to talk about conference realignment with all of you. Uh, This is the topic that my wife said she hates more than any other that I talk about. She finds it to be utterly boring. I love it. I love the political. I love the business. I love the rivalry and sports-related interplay here. And for those of you who are longtime OutKick fans, you will remember that way back in 2011, when the SEC expanded and added Texas A&M and Missouri, This all happened right after we launched OutKick. So I spent a great deal of time breaking down everything in the college football landscape. And so this has always been a topic that I absolutely love and find to be incredibly interesting and intriguing. So let me start off here. It makes complete sense for USC and UCLA to join the Big Ten from that perspective, I think it's a coup that they were able, the Big Ten, to add those two schools. Given the fact that the Big Ten rights package is up right now, uh, the biggest impact is not only did it increase the value of the Big Ten's television rights, it also effectively destroyed the Pac-12's television rights, much like when the SEC added Texas and Oklahoma, that substantially undercut the Big 12's television rights. So I'm going to, I'll probably write this in a column, but you guys can all hear me talk about it because a lot of you would rather hear me talk than read uh, because you're lazy. Uh, And by the way, I love all of you who are subscribed on iTunes. I love all of you watching this right now on Twitter. Uh, I love the hundreds of thousands of you now that are subscribed on YouTube. If you like this, you can go click subscribe uh, and you can have fun in the comments with everybody else down there. But so let me break this all down. There's a lot of talk right now about the Big 12 trying to expand and add Arizona and Arizona State and Utah, maybe Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, Cal, whoever those schools are. doesn't make any sense, Okay. The Pac-12 breaking up to join the Big 12 is like burning down your McDonald's so that you can put a Burger King in the same spot otherwise. Nothing against Burger King, nothing against McDonald's, but they're both fast food hamburger places. 
Right now, there is a monster drop-off after the SEC and the Big Ten. And the Big 12 and the Pac-12, whether they are standing alone or whether they are together, are still hamburger joints. They aren't fundamentally changing anything. And so I don't understand why anybody in the Pac-12 would say, hey, we're standing in Burger King right now. Let's burn down Burger King so we can go over to McDonald's. It just doesn't make any sense or vice versa. And look, we can toss in a Wendy's, whatever your favorite burger place is. There's a big drop-off between, let's be honest, high-end steakhouse chain. Let's say that right now the SEC and the Big Ten are like Ruth's Chris and or Fleming's or they are Morton's, whatever big steak chain you like. That's where the Big Ten and the SEC are. There's a big drop-off between that and the fast food burger chains, but the fast food burger chains in the Big 12 and in the Pac-12 don't make a lot of sense. And so, every school has to figure out what exactly they're going to do. And what I have said from the get-go is, the number one cardinal rule you have to understand when it comes to conference realignment is nobody takes less. In order to expand, it has to make the pie bigger or at minimum, at least make the pie the same size so that nobody is taking less. USC and UCLA increase the Big Ten pie. Right now, the only other school that I believe would increase the Big Ten pie is Notre Dame. And Notre Dame has to decide whether or not they want to be a member of a conference. If they do, probably makes the most sense for them to be in the Big Ten. And if Notre Dame were to join the Big Ten, I think they could have their pie and eat it too to go a little Marie Antoinette on you because NBC has all the Notre Dame home games. Fox could take all the Notre Dame road games as a part of a Big Ten television package. Or NBC could buy a part of the, uh, uh, of the Big Ten television package and take all of Notre Dame's road games as well. Fox could be in partnership with them. Notre Dame is right now, to me, the linchpin in how exactly all of this is going to break down. If Notre Dame decides that they want to be in the Big Ten, then the Big Ten is not going to stay sitting where they are right now at 16 schools. They will add at least one more school to get to 18. Okay, maybe they'll add three more to go to 20. Washington and Oregon, maybe. Maybe they could continue to go west. I actually think the Big 12 and the Pac-12 at this point don't have as many schools that have as much value. I actually think the ACC is the most intriguing conference to look at right now. Because if you believe, as I do, that the SEC and the Big 10 are the two 800-pound gorillas, and the SEC is in partnership with ESPN, and the Big Ten is in partnership with Fox, the battleground going forward is actually, to me, not the Big 12 or the Pac-12. It's the ACC. And in particular, the battleground is what would the North Carolina and Virginia schools decide to do? There are many different directions this could go. First of all, the ACC is locked up until around 2036 under a grant of rights deal. Unless I actually am able to read the grant of rights deal, 
I don't want to say that that precludes anybody from being able to move the, from the ACC. What do I mean by that? Well, there's oftentimes a lot of loopholes in these contracts. And so everybody says, well, they can't go anywhere. And then the actual data reflects when you read the grant of rights, oh, there's big loopholes here. This is what happened in the Big 12 back when Texas A&M and Missouri ended up leaving the Big 12 when Colorado left, when Nebraska went to the Big 10. There was a lot of issue in the Big 12 with how all of these different conferences were actually restraining themselves. If the ACC grant of rights is not as solid as people think, then I think the battleground becomes Virginia and North Carolina. Because so far, the SEC and the Big Ten have not encroached on each other's territory. But if the Big Ten decided to come in and try to add ACC schools, then what I believe is that the SEC would fight the Big Ten over that. And that would come down to UNC, that would come to North Carolina, that would come down to Virginia, and maybe Virginia Tech and NC State too. It's possible that... UNC and UVA, because they are elite academic institutions, could prefer to go to the Big Ten. But culturally, I believe that those schools are better fits in the SEC. And maybe NC State and Virginia Tech come along with them because if you will remember back in the day, Virginia Tech got into the ACC because the then governor of Virginia said, If you don't take Virginia Tech, we're going to have major issues politically here in the state of Virginia. And that is how Virginia Tech ended up getting in the ACC. So the battlegrounds to me could be Virginia and North Carolina. There could also be plays involving Florida State, involving Clemson, involving Georgia Tech. And here is the wrinkle. And again, I will probably write on this in the next few days. My understanding is the grant of rights ceases to exist if a majority of ACC schools want out of the ACC. In other words, if there is a run on the ACC, the grant of rights agreement ceases to exist. This is my understanding. If a majority of the ACC schools are no longer willing to stay in the ACC. Now, Does that mean seven? Does that mean eight counting Notre Dame? I would want to read the actual grant of rights that has been signed. But to me, a lot of people are missing that the real realignment battleground is the ACC because there's more value there. Now, there's also the complicating factor for the Big Ten of everyone needs to be an elite school in order to join the Big Ten. Would that mean that Clemson and Florida State, for instance, are off the table for the Big Ten? I think probably so. So, there is a lot of moving parts right now that are worth paying attention to, but the potential battleground is not the Big 12, and it's not the Pac-12, it's not McDonald's, and it's not Burger King. It is the ACC, where there are some really tasty expansion morsels potentially for play if the SEC and the Big Ten end up going to war over those schools. But the first linchpin here is Notre Dame 
and then we'll see what happens with the Irish. If they are willing to join the, S, uh, the, the Big Ten, then I think it puts everything much more rapidly in motion. For those of you who are longtime conference realignment aficionados such as me, then you will recognize that the Big Ten has previously made a run at North Carolina and Virginia, and that was how they ended up with Maryland. They wanted to keep coming down the coast and end up with those schools. This will be a story that is worth following, and if I were in the Big 12, or if I were in the Pac-12, I would be paying a lot of attention to what happens in the ACC because I don't believe anybody is coming after any of the schools aggressively right now in the Big 12 and in the Pac-12. Now, certainly, there are a lot of Pac-12 schools that would love to follow USC and UCLA into uh, the Big 10, but right now, I don't believe that momentum exists in the same way that it has in the past. All right, I want to take a moment and say thank you to everybody who read my piece that went up on July 4th, Monday of this week. Some of you have said, hey, you're not writing as much right now, Clay. That's true on OutKick because I'm working on a new book, uh, which hopefully will be out next year. And so I'm in the process of working and hammering out and thinking about and writing this new book But I woke up on July 4th, I was down at the beach, and I saw that ESPN had decided to have, as one of their features on July 4th, a planned piece, an America is awful July 4th piece. And I couldn't avoid responding. And this has turned into one of the most read articles that I have ever written. Over a million of you have read my article on Uh, on ESPN hating America. And there are several different things that I think are worth focusing on here, but I've got it pulled up in front of me right now, and this is from several days ago. But the author of this piece, Howard Bryant, decided that it was important that all of you know what he thought about Israel and Palestine and what he thought about January 6th and what he thought about COVID uh, vaccine requirements, COVID shot requirements. And what's really interesting about all of this is how little of an attempt there was made to disguise this as anything other than a nakedly political column. And there are a couple of things in here that I read, and I couldn't even believe it. First of all, it says the people who can become pregnant. It's a Roe v. Wade opinion in here. Tens of millions of women don't feel freedom. The people who can become pregnant. Wait a minute. The people who can become pregnant? You mean women? They won't even say women get pregnant at ESPN anymore. And then it's all about January 6th. And what I wanted to focus on was uh, this guy who said um, that there was... He was upset at Jack Del Rio. This guy, Howard Bryant, who works at ESPN and makes several hundred thousand dollars to say America's awful. One man who wasn't silent was Washington Commander's defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, who lit the gas lamp and dismissed January 6th. He called it a dust-up. There was the outrage internally on Twitter, but you get it. 
if the past several years have reinforced anything, it is that there has always been a separate set of rules, a concierge lane, a front door exclusively for white America. January 6th crystallized this truth. Now, concierge lane, a separate set of rules. Howard Bryant was arrested for choking his wife in public and fighting with police who showed up to keep him from continuing to assault his wife and arrest him. That is the truth, okay? Howard Bryant arrested because witnesses called the police, said he was publicly choking his wife in front of their six-year-old kid. And when police came, he fought with them as well. You know what he got in punishment for that? Six months of probation. No jail time. No significant punishment. And he got to keep his job at ESPN. If you want to talk about a separate set of rules, a concierge lane, a front door exclusively for white America, well, guess what, Howard Bryant? You certainly got your own separate set of rules. You certainly got your own concierge lane. You certainly got a front door, but it wasn't just exclusively for white America. It was for you too. ESPN kept you employed, pays you hundreds of thousands of dollars a year despite the fact that you were arrested for choking your wife and assaulting police officers and you accepted six months of probation for doing so. Moreover, you even tried to say that it was racism for why you were arrested. And then you apologized for saying that later. Now, this six months of probation didn't seem to have any consequences at all. In fact, just about everybody arrested for January 6th who you claim has a concierge lane, a front door exclusively for white America, they all got punished a lot more for walking into the Capitol and taking pictures of themselves there for trespassing than you did allegedly for choking your wife in front of your six-year-old son and also fighting with police officers. It's amazing how you could pin this piece when you have benefited from an incredible amount of privilege in your life. Also, he says there are two rules in the United States never directly articulated but rife with consequence when broken. Beyond what the mainstream, which is to say white America, determines to be acceptable, it's forbidden to express humanitarian compassion and concern for the people of Palestine. First of all, that's anti-Semitic. Secondly, white America is not policing what people say about the Israel-Palestine related issue. That's just not true, but it's anti-Semitic because what you are saying is Jewish people control what people are allowed to say in America. That's what you're saying, Howard Bryant. That's what ESPN published. Again, not true, but that's what you're alleging. Second thing is uh, universally understood it's career-threatening if you say anything to unequivocally advocate for black people. 
unacceptable to unequivocally advocate for black people. Uh, That's totally wrong. The uh, NBA wrote Black Lives Matter on the basketball court for their games. They wrote social justice uh, slogans endorsing unequivocal advocation for black people at the expense of police on the back of their jerseys. All right? ESPN published, and there were also lies in here about the police that died at the Capitol on January 6th. All of these, all of these are lies, okay? Uh, and a lot of them are, if they're not lies, really poorly reasoned opinions. And look, I don't really care about opinions. As my mom used to say, opinions are like butts. Everybody's got them. You're listening to my opinions right now. You may love them. You may hate them. But ESPN doesn't have a content-neutral policy when it comes to opinions. They stopped the women's NCAA tournament to protest the Florida Parental Rights Bill on air live. They have consistently allowed far left-wing political opinions to be spread, often inaccurate facts supporting those opinions, on air, such as when Jalen Rose went on the air and said Jacob Blake had been murdered, uh, such as when uh, Jacob Blake was said, I think it was by Adrian Wojnarowski, that he was unarmed, even though he had a knife. A lot of things that are inaccurate, okay? But these are opinions. Sometimes there are inaccuracies associated with opinions. They suspended Sage Steele for going on Jay Cutler's podcast and saying she didn't believe in a COVID vaccine mandate. Off air, not inside of the ESPN content tent, they suspended her. Kurt Schilling was fired for saying he didn't believe that transgender people should be able to pick their bathrooms. Regardless of what you think on that issue, it's outside, on his Facebook page, not actually made public on ESPN's programming or any of their content. They just had an employee, ESPN did, record a video inside of their studios arguing that all men should be supporting abortion being legal in all 50 states if they had daughters. Now, I think Roe v. Wade, as I talked about months ago and have said for a long time, is a really poorly rendered decision. 75%, according to a new Harvard-Harris poll, believes that justices shouldn't be making decisions, that this should go back to the states, and that every state should make a decision about what they think when it comes to the laws of abortion. I agree with all that. It should be a state issue. Politicians should be involved in having to advocate for their perspectives. My perspective, some of you can disagree, I've said for a long time that I believe abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. I wish there were no abortions that took place in this country. I wish there were no uh, situations where abortion ever occurred. I believe that there should be exceptions for the life of the mother, uh, for, um, for rape and incest, okay? I also believe 100% in uh, the use of contraception, uh, in the morning after pill. These are my personal beliefs. And I also believe that in the first few weeks of pregnancy, a woman should be able to decide whether or not she wants to stay pregnant. Some of you disagree. I 100 billion percent 
repudiate the idea that we should have abortion up to birth, which is the Democrat perspective now. Again, every single one of you has your own opinions. Mine have evolved over the years as I've had three kids, as I have sat and watched the fetal heartbeat, as I've had the opportunity to go and see what sex my kids were going to be through the sonogram. Becoming a parent changes your perspective on a variety of issues and certainly being fortunate enough to have kids and go through, for me, three different pregnancies with my wife has really profoundly altered the way that I see the world on a variety of perspectives. Frankly, before I had kids, I was very selfish. (laughs) You might still say that I'm very selfish, but I see the world now not only as an individual, but as a dad, okay? I also understand this is a complicated issue, and there's a variety of different perspectives, and I know that everybody can have a variety of different opinions, which is why I believe in the marketplace of ideas. And I think you all know that if ESPN had an employee who came out and said, I don't believe that abortion should be legal at all in this country, which is a very valid opinion, and I certainly respect and understand it, that employee would be fired. But they can have an employee in the studios, on air, lecture every dad in America and say, if you are a father of daughters, then you have to support abortion being legal in all 50 states. I don't think that ESPN should have an official position on abortion, and I don't think that someone should get fired if their perspective is one way or the other, whatever your personal belief is. My beliefs align with the vast majority of the country. I don't believe that in the seventh or eighth or ninth month of pregnancy, certainly, and any time post-viability, and frankly, I'm very troubled by anything after the heartbeat personally, I don't believe that we should have that being legal. But I also don't believe that we should be restricting every single medical procedure, again, rape, incest, life of the mother. All of these things you can have your own opinion on. I'm not telling you what you should believe. But content-neutral policies are a must. We must allow everyone to have the ability, whether it's on Twitter. Shout out to Alex Berenson for being able to get back on. He got banned from Twitter forever until he sued and won. I think it is a massive monumental win in social media that Twitter had to allow Alex Berenson back on their platform because He proved that they violated their own terms. And this is a monster win. I think that Donald Trump should be allowed back on Twitter. I think that Elon Musk is right about the marketplace of ideas. And we have to have content-neutral policies. I've been arguing in favor of this as long as you can possibly imagine. Okay? And so, I think that if you are going to allow far-left-wing opinions, if you are going to allow Howard Bryant, who was arrested for choking his wife and also for fighting with police officers, if you're going to allow him to continue to be employed and to spout off all these far-left-wing ridiculous statements, then I believe, I believe that you should also allow people 
who have conservative or right-leaning opinions to be able to share them. I don't think you should fire Kurt Schilling. I don't think you should suspend Sage Steele. I think everybody should have the right to say exactly what they believe, or no one should, as a part of their condition of employment anywhere, but at ESPN in particular, because of sports media. And by the way, that's what we do at OutKick, okay? There's no litmus test to be employed at OutKick. In fact, the only political opinion I have ever said, and I will continue to say it, when we hired people, I said, this was back in May of 2020 when we started to expand, I said, the only rule that I have is you cannot fight and argue that it's unsafe to play sports and COVID mandates that we all shut down. I said, you can have any opinion under the sun for any issue, but you cannot believe, it's the only litmus test I've ever had, I said, you cannot be in favor of shutting down sports because it's not safe enough to play them. You can have that opinion. I'm not going to hire you in May of 2020 when I know, and think back to that time, when I knew that the battle over playing sports in the summer and in the fall was going to be an absolute knockdown drag out, I said, you can't have that opinion. You're entitled to it, but I'm not going to have somebody arguing at OutKick that because of COVID, it's not safe to play sports. That's the only opinion I've ever said. And again, there were plenty of those people who said it's not safe to play sports. I said OutKick is not going to be a site spreading that, what I believe, certainly has proven to be falsehood, that it wasn't safe to do. Uh, So that's the only thing. So I'm practicing what I preach. I would encourage every company in America to set up content-neutral policies and not allow a guy who choked his wife was arrested for it and fought with police arrested for it to be able to throw out all of his left-wing crap on a scheduled July 4th holiday designed to divide us and to destroy the legitimacy of American uh, excellence. Uh, Brittany Griner has pled guilty. She now faces 10 years in prison. She is begging for Joe Biden to save her uh, from Russian prison. She wrote a letter to Joe Biden saying, you're the first person that I have ever voted for, and now I'm asking for your help. Let me just say it. If you remember the UCLA players who got arrested in China for theft, what did Donald Trump do? He got them out. If you remember a lot, remember ASAP Rocky, what happened with Sweden? Trump threatened a trade war. He got him out. Let me just tell you this right now, Brittany Griner. If you had voted for Donald Trump for president, you wouldn't be, in my opinion, still in prison in Russia. He would have gotten you out. Also, the uh, WNBA head coach, I believe, of the Phoenix Mercury said if LeBron James was in prison in Russia instead of Brittany Griner, he'd be out. I agree. Because LeBron James is more famous, would be a bigger story. Also, more people would have spoken out in favor of him. I agree. I think she's right. Let me also just use this as a PSA. If you are watching me right now, do not break the law or even think about breaking the law in a foreign country. I am still a licensed attorney in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I have been into U.S. Virgin Islands prisons, into jails there to represent clients. As bad as prison is in the United States, outside of the continental United States, 
It is far, far worse, and you have far fewer protections. Do not even think about breaking the law overseas. You do not have the protections of American justice. There is a major difference. I hope Brittany Griner gets back. Joe Biden's support collapsing almost non-existent at this point. Reuters new poll, 36% approval. We had Quinnipiac, CivIQ, all of these numbers. Joe Biden continuing to collapse. I do not believe, talked about it on Clay and Buck to start the show today. I do not believe that Joe Biden is going to be the Democrat representative for president in 2024. I believe, can flag this one, save it, Sometime in February or March of next year, if not earlier, after a red tide sweeps over the country in the midterms, Joe Biden will announce that he is not going to seek re-election. I don't think that Joe Biden is going to be able to run for president of the United States. So that is the direction that I believe our country is headed as Joe Biden's support continues to collapse. We'll be right back in a moment, but first, this break. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK systems sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I had a phenomenal time at the Atlanta Braves. Six straight games I went to. Truist Park in the Battery. Thank you to all of you that I met there in the Atlanta area uh, for the Braves games. Not surprisingly, we have a monster fan base in Atlanta. It is one of the biggest cities for OutKick fan base in the country. Houston and Atlanta, probably per capita, two biggest, Nashville, Birmingham. We're big, frankly, everywhere now. Uh, July is going to be the biggest month in OutKick history, potentially, uh, on the website alone, certainly for radio. Uh, the Clay and Buck show is just growing like crazy. Uh, but I had an amazing time watching the Braves. Thanks to Dansby Swanson. I don't even know if I told this story yet. Uh, But Dansby Swanson, uh, got to meet him after the game uh, a couple weeks ago, brought a bat out, autographed for my son, and gave it to him. Uh, Dansby Swanson, Vanderbilt uh, baseball player, phenomenal, uh, awesome experience, incredible time. Braves on fire, 15 games over 500 right now. They may catch the Mets in the NL East before we even get to the All-Star break. Fun team to watch. Watch them in the car driving back from Florida yesterday. Speaking of Florida, I was down in Florida and I couldn't believe when I watched Gavin Newsom advertise in Florida that California was the actual freest state in the country. California where people of means are fleeing like crazy. California lost population for the first time since 1850 and 2020. The number of people continuing to move out is substantial. Wall Street Journal had a great piece comparing the economies of red states versus blue states. 
the red states have now got more jobs than they had in uh, February of 2020. The blue states are still over a million jobs behind. The red state economies have led us out of the awful decisions for the pandemic uh, COVID-excused shutdowns. And Gavin Newsom arguing to Floridians that Ron DeSantis isn't free enough is crazy. I am headed, by the way, down to speak at the Florida Republican Conference. I'm going to be one of their speakers. Uh, It's going to be at the Seminole Hard Rock on July 23rd, I believe. Uh, I will be there speaking. I own a home in Florida, a couple of homes, actually. So not to brag or draw attention to myself. Uh... But uh, I spend a lot of time in the state of Florida. You guys know that I hate to brag or draw attention to myself. We're building a place in Florida. We own a place in Florida. Still live, obviously, as my primary residence here in Nashville. But I'm excited to speak there. And Gavin Newsom running that ad in Florida is evidence of how tone deaf and out of touch he is with the way the nation feels. I think Ron DeSantis is going to win a landslide in Florida. I think Gavin Newsom might well end up being the 2024 nominee for president. And I believe that Gavin Newsom is going to get whipped because most people look at California and unlike for most of my life, people look at California and think it's doing worse than the rest of the country. They don't look at it as a bright and shining city on a hill. I remember being a kid I had never been to California until I was 20 or 21, and I was so excited to go. I had a roommate from San Francisco. I love the time that I have spent in California, but it is rife with homelessness. Crime is running rampant. Uh, The economy is not as strong as it should be because of the high tax rates, and people of means are choosing to leave, and they're going to places like Texas, like Tennessee, and like Florida. No state income tax places that are thriving. Rafael Nadal is not going to be able to play. Uh, This basically means Novak Djokovic is going to end up winning, I believe, Wimbledon, which will be a nice win, assuming he can get it done, for those of us who have chosen not to get the COVID shot, including, unfortunately, up to 60,000 members of the National Reserve uh, in our armed forces who are losing their ability to be members of the armed forces. This is insane. The fact that we are still mandating a COVID shot that doesn't stop or prevent transmission. Uh, This makes zero sense. Uh, But uh, I salute everyone out there who is willing to stand up against the COVID shot and potentially lose their jobs as a result. Finally, I had so much fun down in Florida for the last 10 days. I worked, I was doing the show, I was managing OutKick, but we went to a baseball card shop. Some of you who follow me on social media will have seen this. And I bought a box of 1987 Topps cards. Uh, And I was eight years old in 1987. I remember buying all these cards. Every pack back then cost 40 cents. Uh, the wood paneled 1987 Topps cards. And maybe tomorrow I'll hold up some of those cards on the show to remind you exactly of what those were. 
But I opened them with my 11-year-old and my 7-year-old down in Florida. My oldest son, by the way, some of you have been asking, hey, how come he's not in pictures? My oldest son is away at camp right now. We're going to pick him up later this month, and I'm going up. Uh, he's up in Michigan at camp. Uh, he's about to be a freshman in, uh, in high school, so he's away at camp right now. Uh, but the 1987 top set, Bo Jackson Future Stars card, uh, the uh, Eric Davis, Barry Larkin, um, the Barry Bonds rookie card. I loved this set. And I opened it with my 7 and my 11-year-old and also my dad. My dad is turning 78 years old in October. And so my 7-year-old, who will turn 8 in September, is the same age, basically, that I was when this 1987 top set came out. And my dad uh, is now 78. He's the same age, or I'm the same age that he was when the 1987 top set came out 35 uh, some odd years ago. So anyway, I loved it. I would encourage anybody out there, if you grew up a big baseball card fan, A lot of these sets don't, I mean, a lot of these cards don't even cost that much because they so overproduced. If you're around my age, go buy a box of your favorite set, 87 tops, something like that, 89 upper deck, whatever it might be. Open them with your kids and experience how cool that is. It's a form of time travel. I probably need to write about it as well, but we had so much fun. I'll bring some of those cards and show them tomorrow on the program. I think I'm going to be on Sean Hannity later tonight. I appreciate all of you. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. I'm back in Nashville for a while now, and I look forward to hanging out with all of you. Hope you had fantastic July 4th. And let's continue to roll. Thank you for supporting OutKick.